0: From the PSIA, ASI Mobile Studios at the Huntley Inn in Big Sky, Montana, 2019 National Academy. And we are here with some real luminaries in Nordic. Uh, We've got Tony Forrest, Tim Ray, Deb Willits, and Steve Hindman. Thank you all so much for joining us today. You're welcome.
1: You're welcome. Yes, you are.
0: Now, totaling this up, how many years of Nordic experience, Nordic team experience, do we have here? I mean, Tony, how long were you on the team? You were on the very I first edition of the, the Nordic team, I started
1: on the first team in uh, 1979 and was on uh, the first team and then coach for the next three teams. So that's 16. 16 right there. Tim? I was
2: on the first team in 79 and retired from the team after that.
0: Deb?
3: I was on three teams starting 92 through 2004.
4: And Steve? And I was on those same three teams. As Deb? As me? Yeah, yes, 92 to 2004.
0: And you're still sitting next to each other and yeah. your friends? <laughs> yes, we are, Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Tony, since you were there uh, from the, the beginning, and Tim, you as well, uh, I'd like for you to, to kind of get into the history of uh, what you talked about, but um, before we do, Tony, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into Nordic.
1: Um, I got into Nordic cross-country skiing actually in this area. I lived up in Bozeman and uh, met a couple people, and we ran a Nordic center up at uh, Bridger Bowl. And I had uh, just started to learn to Nordic ski and just got certified uh in cross country with psia in uh, 1977 and just got into the nordic thing and then uh the opportunity came up in 1979 in the in the spring to have uh there was demo team uh, tryouts are going to be held for the first nordic team for psia so thought that would be a good idea and went to the tryouts and uh here we are 40 years later
0: tim
2: I um, was a military brat and traveled in mostly the tropics and the deserts for most of my life until 70 when we moved to Spokane, Washington. I always dreamed of skiing and uh, started teaching myself to ski in 71 and started cross-country skiing in the winter of 71, 72. Started teaching 73, 74. Got involved with PSI in 76 and got certified and then went on to become a
0: examiner and got encouraged to do the uh, demo team tryouts. And you made that in three years and when you started teaching. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you know, instead of uh, following through with our question, I'd really just like to find out about uh, Deb and Steve as well.
3: How long would, would you like the short version or the long version?
0: The, the short
4: version <laughs> <Okay>. to start.
3: <laughs> well, I, I grew up ski racing, alpine ski racing, and moved to Colorado actually for a job in geology and lo and behold there was a little ski area right where i moved to and i taught skiing on weekends kind of the rest is history but uh i taught alpine and a little nordic center opened up i ended up running uh, starting a nordic ski school uh, via telemarking which was a brand new sport in 1980 and uh also started ski uh teaching cross country and uh, a guy from the demo team paul parker came and did a uh clinic one day and um, in on the cross country trails and on the hill and I said I want to do that so it was therefore my goal to get certified so I did and then tried out
0: so from extreme edges to no edges
3: correct but it's all about how you use your
4: edges. we're gonna talk about that (laughs) Steve well I showed up in 1976 actually to Telluride to be a ski bum and it never snowed the lifts didn't open So I started hiking for my turns and discovered uh, little Nordic elves uh, on Telemark skis going down the hills. And so I just was on the cutting edge of that Telemark uh, rebirth here, and then uh, moved to the northwest. Uh, Found myself living in a little town. Got involved with a guy who had a little cross-country ski shop. And one day, said uh, some guy said, "Hey, I want a diagonal stride lesson." He said, "Steve will give you a lesson at one." He walked out. I said, "What's the diagonal stride?" He said. You just how you walk on skis, you know more than he does. And within like three years, I was certified, and about four years later, I was running the CERT program for the Northwest. So that's my short history. So Tony, Tim, let's
0: start with you. Um, I'd really like to hear from both of you. How did you come up with the selection criteria for choosing people that were gonna be on the Nordic team, first of all?
1: What happened was is um, a couple years previous to uh, selecting the team, PSI put together a national uh, Nordic education committee where a representative from each division would get together and we would just get together and talk about education stuff. We were trying to uh, uh, make reciprocity more of, the, of a process as far as certifications. And the education team uh, then decided that it was time to have a, uh, uh, a national demo team to mirror what was going on with the Alpine team. So kind of used their model, of course, because they already had it, uh, uh, of finding uh, skiers that, finding a team of skiers that were good enough skiers that they could you know, represent, but also uh, good clinicians, good educators, uh, and uh, good people people. <laughs> good people persons, people skiers. Um, and basically started to come up with criteria of how to do that, and then chose a, a selection committee uh, from, from the education committee that was, uh, I think, Leave Nerman, uh, Freda Langell, uh, the coach, Amund Ekrol, who was the first coach. He was a, an instructor at Aspen. Um, and those guys basically put together the uh, selection committee and got everybody together at Arapahoe Basin in April, I believe, of 1979. And went through a selection that was about five days. And it was everything from cross-country skiing, uh, classic. There wasn't much skating then. That wasn't really invented yet. And then uh, and telemark skiing. And, and I think we even had a day where they maybe put us on alpine skis just to see, uh, <laughs> to see what happened with that. And, that. and basically out of all of that, they uh, came up with uh, a crew of uh, eight people for the first team.
0: Tim, were people invited to come try out, or did you just hear about it? How did that happen? No, each division
2: uh, was able to send, I believe, two people uh, from each division. And so you had a divisional tryout, at least Pacific Northwest did, had a divisional tryout, and they targeted people that said because they were trying to get the best of the instructors in that area at the time. And sent us to, said, hey, you guys need to try this, and so we had to, write the essays and do all that kind of stuff, and then travel to A Basin. And uh, I remember the first day we got there, we had a 5K race at over 10,000 feet, and just about killed
0: me. <laughs> but we all had a lot of fun, too. So did you have to
1: be you know, in the top 10 or whatever to move on to the next day? There was only about, what, 12 or what, 18 of us. So, yeah, you had to yeah. be in the top 20 right. yeah, <laughs> to go to the next uh, to the next round. So, I mean, how
0: did you then, once you got selected, how did you come up with, and Deb and Steve, we are going to get to you. I just want to kind of lay the groundwork for how the team was formed. Um, but how did you come up with what you were going to work on and, and then present at Innerski?
1: Well, the goal... At that time, with dem- with demonstration teams, whether you know with the Alpine team, uh, was culminating. Uh, your tenure as a demo team member would culminate with interski, and that's where you went and shared all your information. And there were usually themes that were uh, evolving from the educational uh, uh, things that were going on within PSI. And at that time, what was happening is was the skills concept was being developed, and the American teaching system was just getting uh, was just getting going. Um, Max Lundberg, Jerry Warren, Mike Porter, Chris Ryman, those guys were kind of the Alpine side of it, and they were really helpful to us to start translating that skills concept in Alpine into Nordic. Telemark was the obvious start because, it, you know, it's downhill and gravity-fed, and um, its it's the ancestors of all skiing. All the Alpine people are just a subset of us. Um, so basically what we thought is that basically led to when we go to Interski, the demonstration, uh, there's all kinds of, they were much better track skiers than us in Europe and everything. So we just thought a good niche would be to do telemark. And our coach, Amin was a Norwegian, good telemark skier, good track skier. So we basically worked for two, three years uh, from 79 to uh, prepare for uh, Sesto, Italy, to do a demonstration and kind of reintroduce the telemark turn to the ski instructor public. And that's what happened, that's what we did at Interski.
0: Tim, what was your uh, input into the selection, or into the process? Well, I think each
2: team member, you know, had a real active part in helping to adapt the skills concept to Nordic ski teaching, uh, whether it was track skiing or tele skiing. And the really cool thing, I think, with Interski was to go to Europe and reintroduce tele to Europe because it, they hadn't really been doing it for a while. And then introduce the ATM, using the skills concepts to them and how they can then teach tele and, as well as the other cross-country uh, techniques.
0: So was the US the, the first national team
1: to have Nordic as part of it? To have Telemark, yes. Yes, okay. yes, we were. And it was kind of, it was a little uncomfortable at first because they couldn't figure out in the demonstration hills it was like, well, how do you want your track set? Where do you want your slot? And where are you going to be down here? And we're like, no, 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 we want to be up on the hill. And they're like, what? So it was, you know, you didn't have to do any other grooming. We did skim- uh, we skied the same slope as the uh, as the alpine teams.
2: Right, yeah. uh, David. Oh, go ahead. because yeah, there were, you know, the other countries had been doing Nordic presentations for a long time, but they were all track, you know, oriented, which that was cross country at the time.
0: Uh, Deb, you and Steve must have come in uh, on Tony's last year as coach. Would that be correct?
3: Correct. Yep.
0: So what's he like as a coach? Can you give us the honest answer now that he's not coaching you? No,
3: I don't think I can. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tony was a lot of fun. And he um, was such a technician and such a people person. And uh, we all learned so much, so much about how to clinic. And treat people, and also so much about our, our skiing. I, he's, I I would call Tony my mentor for sure. Yes, yeah.
4: Steve. I mean, bottom line, Tony's still my coach. So, yeah, so very much so. And uh, one of the things I learned from Tony is like by sharing it, you know, you can share information. Like this guy showed me this once instead of t- me telling them. So I share a lot to other instructors. What I learned from Tony.
0: Now, Deb, uh, since meeting you, you've been very adamant that you are Nordic, not Telly, But obviously, you had to do both. So,
3: Well, I, w- I was just trying to be clear that we aren't, yes, that we aren't just Tele, but yes. And I'm sorry, you're, you're, we on the teams, at least when we were on it, were um, pretty much required to be all around. I mean, we were hired to be uh, all, all around Nords where we um, theoretically were as equally as comfortable in teleskis as we were on track and skating in uh, classic skis.
0: So this is a question to all of you, really picking up with what Deb was saying. Um, because we've talked a lot about classic. When skate first came into this, I mean, how, how did you bring that in? Because I, I'm, it's not a new sport, but, but it was kind of a new sport. You had new skis, and uh, there was a big change in your equipment all around.
4: So uh, I'd love input from all of you on that. I think the first thing comes to mind is cutting the tips off my classic skis. That did was, you really? That's – almost all of us did that, yeah. It was uh, – Silver, Rosinald Silver 44 seemed to be the favorite, and uh, it changed the balance so that the tip uh, – so it stayed more um, – level and uh we kind of took it from there got longer poles and started to figure out basically figure out how to do it so i think teaching skating was always easy because you had to teach yourself and mike i mean you were the coach of the team at that time so tell
0: us give us some input on what happened
1: uh steve's right on that i remember he cutting the tips off just you know so it wouldn't poke your eye out when you fell over on them <laughs> but it made them shorter um But we also, uh, some of us on the team, had uh, uh, contacts and stuff with the US ski team. And it's something that we started uh, a relationship with the US ski team and the coaches and stuff right from the start. And so had access to a lot of their technical information. For me, I think skating, a lot of that started uh, during the Olympics, Bill Coke, and and those races and stuff. And I was lucky enough to to know him and stuff, and even after he was off of the team, like in the 80s and stuff, he would come to our ski uh, our ski center and stuff, and go ski with the kids and everything. We would, but what I'm getting at is we had access to that type of information and could just like go ski with them, watch them, and like what what are you doing, what's going on, and just ask them. So it was a little bit of watching, getting mentorship from them, and then uh, and then sharing that information with the rest of the team members.
2: You know, well, I wasn't on the team when skating really came in, I was when Bill Cope. You know, started with the marathon skate and at that time I was actually a level two USSA cross-country coach as well and so I was fairly involved with the uh, team racers and, and the stuff in the northwest and so you were taking the things they were using and doing and then creating teaching methods to then pass that on to your students and, and to the general public and to the other instructors as well
0: were you in teaching at that time or
3: Yeah yes I was. Yeah, um and I I, know, I don't remember ever cutting tips off, but we went we definitely got longer poles and started beefing up our boots and just went out trying to skate on on the classic skis. And I believe when when I tried out actually um I'm trying to remember, but but skating was already in and skating was part of the tryout process at the time. And uh I think the uh, the techni- the uh, the technical information, what we teach now is, is matches the, the equipment. You know the evolution of the equipment. But I remember being involved with kind of as we all were developing what it was we taught, what it was we felt. You know how do we make the ski work? All that it was kind of a cool thing.
0: I'm even thinking about waxing and yeah. all the information you would have to bring in. You were really well rounded. So, I mean, not only are you really really well rounded, you you also had to carry a lot of equipment
1: pretty much everywhere you went. Is that correct?: Yes, a lot of gearheads. We weren't really snobs about it, but um, we liked having equipment, you know, knowing how to keep it up, waxing every night, sometimes in the mornings. Um, yeah, and just trying out kind of uh, trying out different equipment. Uh, PSI was really good of getting sponsors and stuff, whether it was boots or skis, um, waxes, having the waxing reps and stuff come in and uh, um, just show us what the, you know, the latest products and stuff were, how to use them and everything. So it was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of opportunities to get some really good information, and, that, and PSI gave us a really good opportunity to get that. Mm-hmm.
0: What were most Nordic centers like during that time period? Did they offer? Is that
4: where you signed up for a Telemark lesson as well as a skater classic? Not usually. Usually, the, the Nordic centers were um, skating classic. And actually, I was running a Nordic center when it happened. And part of the evolution too was going back and figuring out how to find the money and time to make wider trails. Because suddenly you weren't grooming six foot wide; you're grooming sixteen to twenty six foot wide. So it was a whole different revolution there. Yeah, at
2: the start of it, I actually owned, uh, was a, a shop, ski shop manager and then owned my own shop after that with my own ski school. And so they would come into us to learn whether they were track skiers or telemark skiers. We were the people that they came to and, and had one of the larger ski schools in the Northwest at the time. And then as a result of
0: that, also helped develop s- trails so that we could do the stuff that we wanted to to go ski. And Tony, was uh, the U.S. one of the first to bring skate and everything in, uh, as well as a team, to Interski?
1: Um, I think the, the next Interski after, ni- after 83 um, in Italy was in 87 in Banff, Alberta, we did a combo where we did tele, but we also integrated with all of our track skiing and track skills. So we had four track skiers, four tele skiers. And the track skiers were doing variations and interpretations of what a lot of the other Nordic teams were doing, which were still doing a lot of track stuff, but then they were starting to put some telemark stuff in. So it kind of it kind of went both ways to where the telemarker and the, the track people started to merge together and show the... Uh, similarities in all of it, so you were doing a combined-type demo then.
0: So, I mean, my mind is absolutely teeming with questions here. Um, Whoever wants to pick this up, I'm totally fine with that, but um, again, I'm really thinking of Skate. Bill Koch, that was 76, correct? Yes. Innsbruck? Yes. And, uh, I mean, what a revolutionary change that was. But I really want to get to Telemark here and national team, and how you worked with the Alpine team. I'm thinking uh, not long after, what, your second term? When did snowboards come in?
1: Mm, Probably about 86, 87 is when we started snowboarding. Um, Because snowboarding's really close to teleskiing. You got one foot in front of the other. So it was kind of more of a sister sport than even the Alpine. Um, So yeah, that started. That started coming about that time, about the mid 80s, and that was just another one to integrate into the, into the whole concept of, of just okay, same skills. You got balance, pressure, edging, rotary, whatever those are. Did I miss one? Um, but yeah, so it was all really similar in terms of the mechanics, and I think the the attitude became as you know, don't let you know what's on your feet get in the way of having a good time and you know being a good skier.
0: And really, what I'm getting at here is, I mean, you've really worked with PSIA from the get-go on kind of streamlining the teaching methods and everything across the board is that correct
1: um i can just speak from one experience that i had is when the first snowboard team was uh uh, selected i was one of the selectors i had snowboarded maybe four or five times and just a classic it's just like no i don't want to take a lesson just take me to the top but anyway at at the tryouts. I understood all of the teaching stuff and, uh, and the, the group handling and all that stuff, but it was basically, it's like, okay, one-on-one, it's like, okay, take me to the top of the mountain and get me down. And that was part of their, that was part of one of their tasks, is to get a couple of us that had never snowboarded that much, is like, get us up to the mountain and go through the whole thing and stuff. So we had, uh, uh, we had a part of that. We were some of the first selectors for the children's, the first children's uh, team national team. Uh, some of the Nords were selectors for that, too. So we kind of had a little hand on that, because we could kind of bring a little bit of our knowledge into the next process. Same thing that the Alpine people helped with the Nordic people, to help each one of these uh, uh, entities put together their teams.
3: Let's see if I can say this right. I think because the Nords did so many sports, really, Um, we realized that you know teaching is the same across the board interacting with people is the key but also there's more similarities between the different kinds of sliding sports than there are differences and I think that we were able to have a a handle on that you know pretty early on right and uh, help to bridge that gap I guess
0: Now, are you involved at all with the team these days? Have you gone out and skied with Grant or Greg Dixon or Dave Lawrence or Greg Rhodes or Emily, who just fantastic? She did a great clinic this morning.
4: Well, we just uh, came off the hill after doing a run with uh, Greg Dixon, so we can say yes to that. Um, And we all stood around in our old retro uniforms and told him that someday, 20 years from now, he'd be wearing that as his retro uniform so i feel like we keep passing the torch on
0: and what's your impression uh has the sport grown the way you'd like to see i certainly hope you're going to say yes (laughs)
2: well yeah i think
0: you know the cross-country aspect of it at
2: least in our area the track aspect is still growing and, and thriving the telly has not taken off as much as i would like to have seen it continue to do. It kind of has died out, but then there's now starting to be a little bit of resurgence with some of the younger kids wanting to learn to telly and, and coming back into the sport. And, and the changes in the equipment are making it easier for people to learn, I think, uh, to telly as well.
3: I think the evolution of AT gear has taken away from potential telemark curse.
0: Oh, because you don't have to keep your heel free.
3: Yeah, you can go up hill easier, and then you can lock your heel down and come down a little easier too.
2: But you can't really telemark with full-on AT gear.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the other side of that too is modern AT gear is feels very feels very Nordic to me. You're getting you be able to ski, push the limits on gear that's super light, and that's what originally got me into skiing on leather boots and skinny skis on big mountains. So, so the, the Nordic spirit still lives on strong. Well that, uh, Tony, I'm looking at you, I really saw Telly
0: taking a big upswing in the later 70s and it seemed huge in the early 80s. I just remember guys at Crested Butte ripping the bumps and it blew me away how good they could ski. I mean, just, I was
1: floored. Yeah, there's still tribes out there that have been doing it. Um, As far as whether it's thriving, I don't know if I want to get into that, but we've been on a really nice plateau for about the last 30 or 40 years. And uh, those sports like the people in Rick Borkovic and those guys in Crested Butte and everything, they have their tribes and you kind of find all of them. Whitefish has them. We have them in uh, Telluride, every every area you go to. we just got done. I do. A, I help out with a teleclinic down in Santa Fe, and this is the 32nd year that we've done it. And we've kind of watched the numbers fluctuate from 30, 40, 30, 50, 40. And this last year, it depends on the season. But this year, all of a sudden, we had close to 50, we had 50 people show up for it, and uh, a big resurgence. Not just repeat offenders, but people that were new to it, younger kids. Um, yeah. So it's. I, I think it's. Uh, I think there's pockets of it that are thriving just because some people are just wired to, you know, to tell it. Everyone knee. isn't, yeah. Everyone isn't, but uh the ones that are, we're there for them.
0: Anything uh we could just have each of you add kind of as a closing sentence or two. And uh to make it easy, Steve, let's start with you.
4: Well, to me, Nordic means if you see snow, you can ski it. So that's the essence of it. It's like you don't need a lift. All you need is snow. So that's, that's the bottom line for me.
3: I think I have a couple things. One is I, I um, you know, we've come together as a, a, a reunion. It was the 40th anniversary of the, uh, the Nordic team, 1979 to 2019, and I don't know, we're represented by 15 or 16 of us from over that whole time period, and I think every single one in our conversations, every single member um, of the of whatever team they're on, would say that this being on the team was one of the most of important experiences of their lives. And uh, I'm going to get choked up because there are friendships that we've built and continue to have, and now now we're you know back with each other. It's super awesome. Now you want
4: to see something. Oh, just uh, Wayne Hanson came up and said, you know, this, I realized how formative being on the team was. Thanks so much for putting us together. So it was, I think we all kind of felt that. And these are a bunch of different team members from different teams. but It feels like we're on the same team. Yeah, like we've always been. So big deal. Yeah, and
2: I think I agree with Steve on both points of what he's talked about, you know, because really, you know, cross country, and nordic skiing is gravity skiing whether you're in the track or whether you're on tele gear or skating you're using it to your advantage And the same way you know, a lot of people think oh gravity skiing that means alpine skiing or snowboarding but uh, gravity sliding but it's all you're using it to your advantage and um and that being on the team really was i think what everybody could say was you became not just a good teacher, but a much better ski teacher as a result of the team and the, the friendships and the camaraderie that has and developed. In a better person. Yeah. Yeah, I think it has made us all better
0: people as well. And Deb, did you want to add something more?
3: I was trying to decide if I should um, talk about gender at all. but um, I think you should. <laughs> as yeah, you as should. a representative.
1: I thought that's why we brought you here.
3: Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> Uh, gosh, I'm trying to decide what to say. I mean, I think there were two women on the team before me, right, briefly. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps I was the longest running member, and now we've had two since. And and they've been awesome, Megan and Emily. And um, when I first got on the team, there were a couple of Alpine members also. And now it just makes me so happy to see the representation you know, of all the women on the Alpine team. Um, yeah, I can say my ski school at Telluride, and maybe I'm digressing, but this was the first year that we hired more women instructors than men. So I, I like to think that we're see, we're seeing a trend, you know, in the industry, and hopefully uh, we can get more w- women to represent at, at this level.
0: Tony?
1: Three pins, two skis, one love.
0: (laughs) I can't think of a better way to end. (laughs) Tony Forrest, Tim Ray, Deb Willett, Steve Heineman, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to chat with us. You're welcome. Thank you, George. From the PSI, ASI Mobile Studios at Huntley Lodge at Big Sky Resort in Montana, 2019 National Academy, I'm George Thomas.